0: Hey everyone, this is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I got an awesome guest today, Adam Rasmussen, (laughs) sorry, can you say your last name?
1: Rasmussen.
0: Rasmussen. All right. greetings everyone, this is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, I got an awesome guest today, Adam Rasmussen, he's a Bassmaster EQ pro angler, a tournament angler, he also does charter fishing too, for walleye, smallmouth, and salmon, so how you doing Adam? Oh, not too bad yourself i'm doing great man it's great to have you on here i know we were talking a little bit about boat problems beforehand i kind of shared my story but um let's start with your story about how you got into bass fishing how you got into fishing in general um you know i talked to a lot of guys and they say you know Mm -hmm. parents or different influencers kind of you know help them along the way as they were going through their journey so uh why don't you just kind of talk about how you got into fishing
1: yeah so basically uh i guess since i've been about three years old i've been in a boat and uh got hooked on it right away so i grew up fishing with my dad and oh when i was probably 12 or so started fishing like some little local walleye tournaments with him and that's how i grew up as a walleye and a musky angler um i didn't do a lot of bass fishing um until later down the road but anyway so i started fishing walleye tournaments with him Uh, I turned 18, I wanted to fish for a living, so I took up guiding and I had a part-time job at a Gander Mountain, uh, where I used to grow up. So I worked there guided, sorry, I worked there full-time, I guided part-time, uh, took a few years to get established and then I got rid of my job and I've been fishing full-time ever since, so, uh... guiding a lot. And then I kind of got my feet wet into bass fishing. I'd say like my later high school years, um, just kind of had more fun with it. Out of high school, I fished, uh, some FLW walleye events, uh, pro-am stuff. And I fished as a boater in those actually won one, uh, when I was 19, I won one on the Bay of green Bay where I live now. And the next day I won a WWE event and then I got sucked into the world of walleye fishing and wasted four or five years of my life doing that. Um, I just, I don't know. I just didn't really enjoy it that much. Like if I went fishing for fun, I always want bass fishing. Mm -hmm. So then I started fishing more bass tournaments, just local stuff on the river where I grew up, you know, like 25 boat derbies. You went a whole whopping $1,500, but actually won quite a few of them. And I kind of knew that's the road I wanted to go down, but wasn't financially ready um, until two years ago. And then I started to get my feet wet into it a little bit more. Um, so yeah, here I am. I love it. So that, well, that whole
0: walleye game, because the, honestly, the only thing that I have, I know about walleye fishing and tournament walleye fishing is the one video that I saw a couple months ago, or probably closer to a year now, of the guys cheating um, up there at Lake Erie. So um, for everyone that's kind of listening who's kind of more focused on bass, can you just explain a little bit what the tournament scene like is for um, for Walleye? Um,
1: you know, there's... It seems like there's always cheating going on at every level. But the one thing I can say, like tournaments that are pro-am... Like, that keeps guys honest. Uh, team tournaments, I never really liked fishing them because, you know, I did some MWC tournaments, and those were team events, and I guarantee, like, people are using their cell phone to call their buddies and have them come over when they got on them. Like, you could see it happen. It's not, like, coincidence. Um, So, yeah, I tried to stick more to, like, the pro-am stuff because then I feel like, you have a guy in the boat that you don't even know you're not going to try cheating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's terrible that there's cheaters in this world in the fishing industry. And I hope everybody that does it gets caught and they get what's coming to them because it's really not fair. Like everybody's working so hard to do it the right way. And then you get one bad apple and it, it kind of wrecks it for everybody. Like I'm not saying that everybody in the walleye world is a cheater. I mean, there's There's a bad apple in the bass world. There's bad apples in the walleye world, uh, the musky world. You hear it all over the place, and it's just unfortunate that that stuff happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And You know, I don't want to go on a tangent of all these other fish because we do interview a lot of bass guys here, but I got to tell you, I got down the musky rabbit hole for about three years, and it's been a fish that, like, I always wanted to go up to Wisconsin to go fishing for it, and I'm around the Philadelphia area, so it's not great here, but, you know, you can kind of run into a couple here and there. And did some trips down to um West Virginia too, but like what's what's the musky fishing like up there?
1: Uh we've got it pretty good, I think. Um like when I grew up on the Wisconsin River guiding over there, I could basically I could guarantee that somebody was gonna have a shot at one. And if they messed it up, fish didn't get to the boat, whatever, but like Somebody in the boat, two guys in the boat, somebody was going to have a crack at one. And I've had days where, you know, I've caught as many as 15, 16, you know, obviously some days you don't catch any, some days you catch four. And, uh, and we had some big ones around too. Like I've caught several in the low to mid 50 inch range. And so it's, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. but yeah. Man, it's a young man's sport to cast all day for a chance at one. Like I just kinda got I kinda got out of it and lost interest. I still do it if I go up to Canada. I go to my buddy's place in Sunarrows, uh up at Crawford's camp and I try to make it up there like every August or September and do a little muskie fishing up there and, and it's good up there. So like if I go, I want to know that the odds are in my favor. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so I've I haven't completely hung it up yet. It's the weirdest thing with muskie though, because just
0: like what you said, like some days you'll catch 15, some days you'll catch nothing. But like, it's weird because especially around here, there's like a period of time and I, I haven't done a ton of like scientific research into this, but it almost seems like there's like an hour in the day where it turns on. Like all of a sudden, like muskies are following baits and then once that hour's over, it just completely shuts off. Do you have any yeah. like insight in it? I don't know if it's the moon. I don't know if it's the highs
1: and the lows. Uh, I think it has to do with the moon. It seems like um, it's always like moonrise, moonset, moon overhead, moon under feet. Yeah. Like those are like the four times a day where you'll see like those feeding windows. Um, at least that's you know what I can put it towards. And there's some days they just don't want to eat too. It's like, I was here yesterday and we raised 10 of them and now I can't even raise one today. Like, what's going on?
0: Yeah, they're just like not hungry. They're weird fish, man. I always talk to my buddy about it all the time. It's just like, they're so weird. They follow it. Like, sometimes they'll just follow with a bucktail all the way up to the boat and be right on it. You do a figure eight, you get it to follow the figure eight and it just like disappears. And just like looking at the bottom of it, like, wait Where'd it go? Like <laughs> he wanted to eat yeah. it. Like
1: it's it was right. Dream Rackers. You get all excited, like he's gonna eat it, he's gonna eat it. They just fade away, never to be seen again.
0: Uh, dude, Adam, I couldn't tell you the amount of times when I was first starting out that I would throw like a, a big bucktail out there or a bulldog, get it all the way to the boat, and all of a sudden you'd see this big muskie underneath of it and I'd completely like just honestly for lack of better better words, just completely like shit myself. Just be like, Oh God, and throw the lure out of the water, the musky goes off. I'm like, ah. Oh. No, it's like the first like 12 follows. That's exactly what I did. And I was like, all right, I got to like start relaxing. Like,
1: Yeah, I've seen through guiding. I've seen a lot of people like lose their shit when one comes in and eats at the boat. And like they'll mess it up because they panic. And they'll be like, what just happened? I'm like, you just you had one like it came up and ate your bait at the boat. Like you just got to you got to turn the bait back into him and set the hook. If that's what those things look like, I don't even want to fish for them anymore. Like, they'll just quit. Like, (laughs) nope, I want nothing to do with it. Like, a four, I had one guy, oh, it's the craziest story ever, musky fishing. I had two customers with me. Uh, they neither one of them had ever done it before. And it was on a corporate outing that we used to do a lot of those. And, we're fishing down the stretches like my favorite stretch of the river. I've caught so many fish on this one stretch and it's just a sandbar. And, uh, we're going along and the guy in the middle of the boats, just sitting there with his bait out of the water. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to catch one if you're not casting. And kid you not the guy in the back of the boat raises one. He's like, there's one, I just saw one. And then the water's dirty, so you can't see real well. And this guy's just got his bucktail, like, the back end of it's just in the water, and he's just lazily dragging it back and forth, looking at the birds, whatever. And this thing came up and ate his bait that followed his buddies in, and that was the guy that lost it. He's like, no way, I don't want anything to do with this, but... Like never in a million years would I ever bet that a fish would have ate his bait with what he was doing.
0: It's that's ridiculous. It, it reminds me of a story yeah. I've never told this on the podcast. Actually, this is cool because I've never really had a musky guy on here. But the second musky I ever caught, it was a one in PA. My first one in PA, so I was pretty hype about it. Fishing all day, fishing a bulldog, and you know how it is—the back starts getting sore all day. Probably out there for six hours, and I was about to give up. I look at my, I made a cast along a weed line reeled it all the way into the boat did the jig had it still in the water gave up on the figure eight at that time Looked back at my dad i went (sighs) right when i went (sighs) dude blew up on it
1: oh oh, i
0: got a fish i got a fish and i'm fighting it i'm like get the net get the net he almost botched the net but we got it in the boat and i was like i cannot believe that just happened and then i fished for like six more hours after that until like night (laughs) it's like nothing after
1: that yeah it usually happens when you least expect it, it seems like. That's it, man. Not paying attention. Like the one cast you don't pay attention on, you get bit. It's always you can concentrate the rest of the time and nothing good happens. Yeah. That's just enough to bring you right
0: back into musky fishing now.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's the exciting part about it. You don't know like you don't know where your next bite's coming from, when it'll be. You have no idea what bait it's going to be on, how big it's going to be. Business owners and marketing professionals in the Philly area, Bad Rhino takes the overwhelm out of digital marketing. With tailored digital marketing services, from social media management to SEO and PPC advertising, our expert team navigates the complexities of the digital ad space for your business. Let Bad Rhino lead you to success. Visit badrhinoinc.com and let's take your business to new heights. Bad Rhino, we do digital marketing, so you don't have to.
0: Let's shift it to Bass, right? Um, because back in May, you won the 2023 St. Croix Bassmaster Open on Lake Wheeler or on Wheeler Lake. Um, so take me through each one of those days and kind of was there any point in that tournament where you were like, you know what, this is I got a like serious chance to win this, and like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna win this.
1: Uh, man, really not at all. Like every, every day was different. I had a, I had a short practice. I fished a smallmouth tournament up here in Wisconsin and my dad came West and he drove all night so I could make it there for practice. Um, so I, I had already missed a little bit and I fished a fair amount during practice and like I caught some keepers and nothing crazy. I caught one that was maybe three pounds. And I just, I didn't have a lot of confidence going into it, but I spent a lot of time on my hummingbirds graphing, like where I thought they were going to be, whether it be like the morning bite with the shad spawn deal or, you know, where I would find them like midday. So I didn't really like, start fishing until the first day of the tournament. And I went to a shell, shallow shell bar. Uh, there's a shad spawn going on. I caught a three and a half pounder and some other ones that ended up calling out later in the day, but I was stoked. I'm like, I got like a three and a half pounder. Like that's my kicker. I haven't seen a fish like that all week. And so then I left there, I went and fished a bunch of grass. I filled out my limit. I had like 10 pounds. I'm like, uh, this is not good. Like we're on the Tennessee river, like 10 pounds a day is not going to cut it. So then I went and ran some ledges that I thought might be good. And I pulled up on one and a spot, the size of my boat. I caught them on for like an hour. Uh, I got up to my scale said like 18 and a quarter and I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave this alone. I might need it tomorrow. Um, I actually had a couple of fish that weren't looking real hot. So I looked at my co-angler, I'm like, we got to run in, we're going to get some ice. I might weigh in early, you know, I don't want to lose, it's four ounces of fish and I know what can happen by the end of a tournament when you lost like a half a pound. Um, you know, sometimes that can cost you a win. So we ran in, got some ice on them sat there for five minutes. They're looking good. I'm like, okay, let's go back out. And we went back out. We had like 45 minutes left to fish. And I just kind of did what he wanted to do and try to try to get him his third one. He only had two. And I, I was fine with what I had. So end of day one, I was in, uh, and what was I in that day? Seventh, I think. Yeah, I was in seventh. Yeah, on you were close one.
0: to the top. I'm just looking at the sheet right here. You were close to. I think you were seven, six or seven. Hold on.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I was seventh on day one, seventh on day two. Um. They lose you there.
0: Nope. Yeah, I got gotcha.
1: you. Uh, so. Super happy, like pumped up. But at the same time, I was sitting in third at the end of Toledo Bend on day one and totally bombed at the second day. So I was worried that something like that was going to happen. Uh, so I'm like, just go get a limit first. Move on with life from there. Fishing for points. Uh, went and did a shad spawn deal. Nothing. It was kind of a little cooler that morning. And... Didn't end up with anything on that. I went back out to some ledges. I caught a three and a half pounder. Did that for another hour or nothing. It's kind of windy and the water is getting dirty. So I ran all the way down to the bottom end of Wheeler and had some grass that looked good during practice. I fished all that. I caught like a one four. Now it's like 11 o'clock. I'm like, this is, this ain't going to cut her. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to fish like three ledges. If I don't catch them there, I'm going to the grass. I fished on day one just to finish out my limit. Stopped at the spot I caught them all on on day one. I caught eight and eight casts, and then they quit pulling water, and that bite was over. And I think I had 14 and a half pounds. Stayed in the top 10. I was in seventh. Um, So then day three, I have nothing to lose, right? So... And it was, I was just going to, my plan was just to enjoy the day. Like it's the first top 10 I've made in an open. There's only 10 guys fishing. Just going to go have fun and go fish. And it was kind of a warmer, kind of muggy morning. And I figured there'd be a shad spawn going on. And uh, I ran down the lake and pulled into the spot. I wanted to fish. Nobody was there. And immediately started catching them. <clears throat> and then I caught a four, two. So I had hoped that there were a lot of good ones around there. Cause I knew I was going to need upwards of like 22 pounds to win. And I caught like a three and three quarter. I caught another four, two at a three, three, Uh long story short at eight Oh nine. I had a five and three quarter. I put in the live. Well, I looked at my Marshall and I said, I just want a Bassmaster open. Like, I don't know. I've, I've won several tournaments in my life and like when you catch that last key fish, like you just have a good feeling like it happened and thank God it did because I never caught another one after that, that mattered. I caught some small ones.
0: And you pulled that last day 21 pounds, 11 ounces. Uh,
1: yeah. 21, 12, I think. 21, 12. Yeah.
0: Wow. Got gotcha you in the first place there, which, so you knew after you caught that fish, you're like, oh, this is like, this is happening.
1: Yeah. Like, it. I just knew that I had to take it for all it was worth as fast as I could. Cause when you're on a shad spawn deal like that, it doesn't last very long. Um, you know, once it starts getting lighter out, the shad pull off and all the bass pull off with them and it's over. And I didn't know if they were going to pull water or not. Uh, I couldn't catch them offshore unless they were pulling water. And they never ended up pulling any water that day. So
0: Stuck it out there. So how much does that first-place finish help you in like terms of points?
1: Uh, it moved me up to 28th. I was in 50-something before this tournament, so it definitely helped.
0: Nice. And then you got upcoming tournaments. Um, you got Eufaula and you got the St. Lawrence River. Yep. So tell me a little bit about going into Ufala. I know that's in a couple of weeks here. Tell me a little bit about your game plan for that.
1: Uh, Figure it out when I get there. It's basically what it's been at every tournament yeah. this year. Like last year I had a terrible season. I did a ton of research. ton of looking at maps. You know, I just... I was over prepared. I think I had a terrible season this year. I've just kind of been like, screw it. I'm just going to go with the flow and see what happens. Just so, fish. That's it. Yeah. I mean, once you start figuring a little something out, then you know, you have all night after it's dark out to look at a map and, and duplicate more of it, but just go fishing. I don't know anything about the lake. I, I actually looked at a map the other night for a few minutes and, it's, I looked at Google maps and I looked at my Lake master card and yeah, it's totally different than what I thought it was going to be, but, uh, we'll see.
0: I like it. How about the, uh, St. Lawrence river, any game plan for up there? Just same thing.
1: Um, yeah, I'm going to go try to win that thing. That's small mouse. That's my kind of fishing. So like I'm it. looking forward to the St. Lawrence. I was
0: talking to a bunch of guys and they're kind of all got the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it should should be exciting up there for sure. Get, get some decent bags for sure up there.
1: Yeah, I've never been there. <clears throat> um but it sounds like it kind of fishes like it does here in Sturgeon Bay. Uh other than you have more current if you're fishing in the river, which we're that's where we're restricted to, but I'm hoping to go like find some up shallow somewhere yet.
0: Yeah. It should be able to. I mean, I'm going up there two weeks before you guys head up there and they should be spawning. That's what the talk of the town is. So hopefully they're still kind of up there.
1: Yeah, I think there'll be a good shallower water post-spawn deal going on. Cool. At least that's what I'm hoping for, but we'll figure it out.
0: Absolutely. Go up there and fish. That's all you can do. So tell me a little bit about your guide service too, because I know you guys do a lot um, with different species other than bass.
1: Yeah, so up here in Sturgeon Bay, Door County, um, you know, like April, early May, I run a lot of walleye trips. We've got some awesome walleye fishing up here, you know, as far as trophy size fish. Uh, and then our smallmouth fishing is some of the best in the country. Um, you know, to win a two day derby here, it takes, I've seen it anywhere from 54 to almost 60 pounds for two days. So we have some Pretty unreal smallmouth fishing. Uh, that eats up a bunch of my time in May. And then uh, once June gets here, June, July, and August, I run a 34-foot salmon boat. I have another kid that charters for me as well. His name's Trent, um, which is nice because then when I leave for, to go to a tournament, the boat's still running and, and we're still fishing. But uh, we do a lot of trout and salmon fishing out of that. And then uh, once fall gets here, then it's kind of back to bass fishing again.
0: Gotcha. And then just one thing you hit on earlier too is the uh, corporate events that you do.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm actually sitting in, we call it the warehouse. It's my father in law's man cave and keep the boats in here and some tackle and whatnot. And then we have an industrial kitchen and a bar, uh, plenty of seating and stuff. So, like, whenever we do corporate trips, you know, it's all inclusive. I just need a head count of how many people. I give a price, we cook dinner, they come up here, they're in a private environment. They get to hang out and drink, shoot pool, play darts. It's uh, it's a pretty cool place for people to come and hang out, so that works really good with the corporate stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Sounds like a great time.
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh, man. Awesome. Adam, so one question I always like asking, what is your uh, PB largemouth and PB smallmouth?
1: PB largemouth is 9.7. I caught that on Lake Gunnersville, just the next stretch up from Wheeler. And my biggest smallmouth is 7 pounds, 10 ounces. Oh, my God.
0: That's the biggest one I've heard on this podcast so far.
1: Really? Yeah. Better get uh, my buddy Benny on there. He caught an 878 a few years ago in the Sturgeon Bay Open. That thing was an absolute freak.
0: Oh, my God. What is it? So I know largemouth, once they get big, right, they kind of get sluggish. But I've never seen a smallmouth that big. Like, what's that fight like?
1: Uh, You know, like the big ones, when we catch big ones here, they really don't do a lot. Uh, they just kind of come up, just like largemouths, like they come up and wallow. And you might get a couple runs out of them. But it's actually way easier to, to get like a six or seven pounder to the boat than it is to get a four pounder to the boat.
0: Yeah, because those four pounders are just stacked with like muscle. <laughs> it
1: feels yeah, like. yeah. They're they're way meaner than those big ones are.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. All right, cool, man. I like it. Um, the last segment here. Um, any social medias you want to shout out, your charter website too, if you want to put that in here, um, shout them out and I'll put them in the description at the end of these podcasts.
1: Yeah, I mean social media, Facebook, um, just look me up at Rasmussen, And then uh rasmussenoutdoors.com that kind of covers everything for guiding uh the salmon stuff is under salmon depot charters we have a website for that as well but you can you can get to everything through rasmussen outdoors uh all the links are on that website all the information if you're looking to get out and uh and get on some salmon or bass or walleyes with us
0: i love it definitely um for all the listeners check out his website because i was looking at it before this podcast and the smallmouth, you'll, you'll see it when you get there. It's absolutely insane, the small mouth that this guy catches. So, Now, um, Adam, I appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast with me.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You
0: just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well.